What's up? Uh, thanks for being here. I think we're in week four. I don't know anymore. Uh, but I think we're in week four of Same God, and I'm really glad that you're here. Um, if we've never met, my name is Jacob, and I serve here on our Beach Student staff team. Uh, my job is basically connect with students, connect students to other students, help them connect to their faith, help them grow to be who God created them to be. Um, and then sometimes I get to share God's word with you, and that's one of my favorite parts. So I'm excited to be here with you tonight. Um, a fun fact about me that is immediately not fun because nobody asks or cares, but it's true nonetheless is I have broken all four of my limbs. And no, not at the same time. That's the first question that people ask every time I share that. Um, I broke my, the first time I broke a bone was my leg when I was learning to walk. Um, I tripped over myself and my bones were squishy and so they broke. And then uh, the second time was my dad wanted me to score a touchdown when we were playing two hand touch football with my neighbors. So he picked me up and he carried me. He tripped or got tackled, who's to say? And all I know is my leg twisted and he landed on it and my bones weren't squishy, so they broke. And then um, in like seventh grade, I was playing soccer and it was like the one time, you heard Mackenzie, I'm a little man, it was the one time that I was growing and uh, I got punished for it. I got pushed while playing soccer and I fell backwards and I was like, oh, I'm gonna do the thing you're supposed to do and catch yourself when you fall. And I broke my whole growth plate, which is awesome. Uh, so that happened. And then the most recent time that I broke a bone was in 2011, which feels like forever ago. I was in ninth grade and my friends and I were doing uh, ripstick tricks and uh, for our skill level, ripstick tricks meant getting like this much air uh, off the ground. Um, pro skater, don't worry about it. So um, we, were, we were doing this thing where there's a street light a little bit away from my friend's driveway. We tied a sports bungee cord to that street light, one that you might use for wakeboarding or like real sports, not ripsticking. And um, one of us would pull the bungee cord, the other person would ride up and you get a little bit of speed and head toward a speed bump that was like one of those wide flat ones, not like the really like aggressive uh, ones that I hate. Um, and so you could get a little bit of air and it was really fun. And my friends said, hey Jacob, we have this great idea. We're both double your size. So what if we do this? What if we both pull the bungee cord further than we could on our own? And because you're the lightest, you can ride up and get way more speed than any of us, then you're gonna launch higher and it's gonna be sick. And I was thinking, this is the best idea ever. No notes, let's do this thing. So my friends, they start pulling the bungee cord as far as they can. And I go down the street and I start riding up. And I am about to grab the handle and what's supposed to happen is I'm supposed to get immeasurable speed, sick air, do like a 360 or something, and then like collect a trophy at the end. I don't know what was gonna happen. But none of that happened because as soon as I grabbed the handle and my friends let go. This is where everything wrong happened. Um, I was supposed to stay on the ripstick. The ripstick stayed on the ground and I flew into the air, um, but only for a second. And then I got slammed in the ground. That's where my arm broke. And then it's not over. Thanks for clapping though. But um, my brain was like, if you let go, it's going to hurt more. Not true. Uh, instead, what happens is I was dragged along the gravel for the rest of the trip. Don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Um, so the next thing that happens is my two best friends become medical professionals. They pick me up off the ground and they carry me inside and they lay me down 
And the next thing I know, they have tweezers and Q-tips, and they are picking gravel and T-shirt bits out of my shoulder, arm, side, and back. And let me just tell you, your friends should not be medical professionals for you. Um, they had no way to fix my broken arm. All they could do was treat the potential skin infection I guess I was going to get from gravel and t-shirt cloth. But, like, they, they could do nothing for what was actually broken. And, like, you guys are smart. I'm not going to pretend like this is some revelatory point. When you have something broken physically, you go to the doctors, right? So that's where I needed to go. My friends are not doctors. Um, and you know this because when you've broken bones or when you are sick beyond, like, the mucus, uh, the mucinex section at CVS, and like you're deadly ill, you go to the doctor. Or when you have something like in your body that's out of alignment, or like nerves don't respond the way they're supposed to, or you have limited range of motion, or just like chronic pain, like you go to the doctor because the doctor is the expert on healing. Now, here's the problem physical brokenness is not the only brokenness that we experience. It's like the most obvious because you can see when somebody has a cast or when someone is sick um, or like when somebody noticeably doesn't show up for work and they like have COVID, but really it's probably just they have a picture of a positive test and they didn't want to work that day. Um, and like that's one type of brokenness. But as we talk about tonight, God being a healer and a comforter, we're not just talking about physical. We're going to talk about physical, we're going to talk about mental brokenness, spiritual brokenness, and broken identities. So I'm going to give you a definition of each, so we're all on the same page for what we're talking about as uh, we say them. They're not going to be on the screen, but I promise they're short definitions, so I'll go slow so you can write them down. Okay, here we go. Physical brokenness. Sickness, pain, or loss of function in our physical body. Sickness, pain, or loss of function in our physical body. There are people here tonight or people that you know that have physical brokenness that has lasted for a long time. That their, their function, their normal functionality physically is not whole. A lot of you also struggle with mental brokenness, and I will join you in this camp. Uh, mental brokenness is conditions which interfere with our emotions thinking, or behaviors. Conditions which interfere with our emotions, our thinking, or our behaviors. And this can cover everything from grief and trauma and loss to anxiety and depression to um, bipolar disorder to, um, I don't know, list all of them. But, like, this is one that a lot of us struggle with. And some of you in the room are grieving not just the loss of a person, but maybe the loss of a dream. You're grieving the loss of a relationship. You're grieving the loss of, I don't know, like a friend. Um, you're grieving the loss of like who you used to be or what you wanted to be at one time. Like you can grieve more than just someone dying. Uh, and then a lot of you have experienced trauma that influences your thoughts and behaviors. And a lot of us struggle with anxiety and depression, and those things can control how we operate, like what we do in a given day or don't do in a given day because it's just our tendencies. And there's a brokenness. 
So physical, mental, and then some of us in the room are suffering from spiritual brokenness. And this is not a judgmental thing at all. This is just another area. Um, This is when we are out of relationship or alignment with God. When we're out of relationship or alignment with God. And so this can look like not having a relationship with God at all. That would be a broken relationship because we were created to be in a relationship with him. Or it could be knowing him and hearing about him and saying that you're a Christian, but your life doesn't look like the life that he's called you to live. That would also be a broken relationship with the Lord. And so you could be spiritually broken in addition to mentally or physically broken. And then the last thing, when our identity is broken, it's not knowing who we are supposed to be, not knowing who we are supposed to be, or living like we were created to live. And this one's hard because um, this is just kind of how life is. When you are in middle school and high school, your whole like mental process is just figuring out what your purpose is. Every decision you make, everything you do, every relationship you have is a, a bid and an effort to discover who I am and what my purpose is. And a lot of times, we have either just no clue what that looks like or what our identity is supposed to be, and so it's broken. Or we've put it in things that don't sustain us. And we talked a lot about this at Epworth last year, but like, we put our, our identity in all kinds of things that are not meant to hold our identity. And so our identities could also be broken. And so you are likely struggling with one or more of these areas of brokenness. Or, if you're not struggling with a specific one, you're probably very close to someone struggling with the ones that you're not. All of us experience brokenness. And when those areas of brokenness are are left unattended or not healed after long periods of time, it's frustrating, right? Like, anyone who has been through a long healing process like rehab of an injury or you were sick for a very, very long time, like you know that it's defeating, it's demoralizing, it robs you of life. When we live in brokenness that goes unaddressed, that is unhealed, it robs us of life. And we get to a point where it's just frustrating and annoying to be who we are and experience the things that we do because we aren't whole. And it's often the longer that this goes on, or maybe when something is new and fresh and we've never been broken like this before, that we're like, where's God? Why did God let this happen to me? What did I do to deserve this? Why hasn't he done anything about it? Where is God in my brokenness? And the truth we're talking about tonight is God is a healer and comforter, but when we are in these times of brokenness, God doesn't feel like a healer or a comforter. He often feels distant, feels far, he feels like he's abandoned us, we feel like he just doesn't care. And this could not be further from the truth. See, God's character draws him to our brokenness. God's character draws him near to our brokenness. In Psalms 34, verse 18, it says, The Lord is close 
to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. He's not distant. He's close. The areas in your life where you feel like God could not be further away are the exact areas where he desires to be closest to you. Because his character, who he is, draws him to your brokenness. And the reason for this is because when God created everything, nothing was broken. Everything was whole and it was perfect. And when sin entered the world, it broke all of creation. Everything was broken. And so now we are experiencing symptoms of sin breaking creation. And so God sees our brokenness, and his desire is to restore and heal his creation to its intended purpose. And if you've been here for any of the other weeks, or if you just are like, we're at church, so the answer at some point is Jesus, we've arrived at that point. Um, Jesus is the ultimate example of God's healing and comforting. And we, um, yes, he is the physical representation of God's character. We look to Jesus to see what God's heart is like. When God desires something, when God wants to respond to something, we can look at Jesus and how he responded, and it shows us what God is like. And so we're going to look at an account today um, that's actually sandwiched between two other stories where God um, uses Jesus, where Jesus shows up and he heals in incredible ways. And it's one of my favorite stories, so I'm really excited to talk about it. Um, but the way that it starts, uh, this is Mark chapter 5. Um, the way that Mark 5 starts is there's this guy who is, like, possessed. And he is, has these inner demons that he's battling in a, in a really real sense. Um, and he is compelled to live in the, grave, out, in the graveyard outside of town. He's, like, harming his body in horrific ways. He is, like, truly a mess. Like, he is broken. And so God completely heals him. Jesus completely does this miracle, turns it around. Like when he walks out of the graveyard, people do not recognize this man because of how holistically Jesus heals him. That's not the story we're talking about. Um, the story we are talking about starts in verse 21. But this just happened, and it's early enough in Jesus' ministry where people are like, hold on, what did that guy just do? That was crazy. Only God can do that. Who is this guy? We want to know more about him. We want to be with him. So that's why people are responding the way that they do, as we read in verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He, ple uh, he pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. When you're responding to a medical emergency, you typically want to get there with some speed, correct? So the last thing you need is foot traffic surrounding you and enclosing you on all sides, stopping you from getting there. There is like chaos around Jesus right now. And Jesus probably could have healed from a distance. But the way that God heals is not far. 
The way Jesus heals, the way that God heals, is intimate, close. He's close to our brokenness. And so Jesus is on the way there to this little girl. We're not talking about the little girl tonight. Different person. We're going to meet her right now in verse 25. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and spent all that she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. All right, boys, please bear with me. We're going to talk about a real medical thing. Just try your best not to laugh, please. I'm going to try and have a serious moment. This woman, when it refers to her bleeding for 12 years, she doesn't have a cut on her finger that won't stop. She's having a period that has lasted for 12 years. Now, if you are a guy, this means nothing to you. We have no context for this. But, ladies, one week is enough, right? We could even lessen it to maybe three, two, one day. Twelve years is insane. Like, the cramping, getting worse year after year. The hot flashes, getting worse year after year. The mental fogginess that doesn't seem to go away. The headaches, the pain, like getting worse for 12 years. Some of you are 12 years old. That is your whole lifespan this woman has suffered. And that's like the physical aspect. From a financial standpoint, she has spent all her money going to every doctor that is available, and it's made it worse. She has spent every resource. She is exhausted, and her life, if we're honest, and that, again, is just the physical side of it. Some of you have physical brokenness that no matter what you have tried, no matter where you have gone, no matter how many surgeries you've experienced, how many professionals you've seen, how many consultations you've had, you're not getting better. You're getting worse. That's what's happening to her. But, again, that's the physical. Culturally speaking, Blood meant you were unclean. If you encountered blood of any kind, you had to go through this like insane ritual cleansing. This woman can't do that because it's constantly happening. And so she's an outcast. That's why she's on the outskirts of town. She's not supposed to be a part of this crowd. She's supposed to be away from the crowd. She's not allowed to be near people. She is supposed to be in isolation. She can't live with her family. She can't live with her friends. She can't have a job. She can't have a relationship. She has nothing. She's an outcast on the side of the city because she's unclean. And we know, as people who have been through a form of isolation, mental illness went way up during lockdown. Isolation is not good for us, let alone in first century Middle East, in the desert, basically, when you're suffering for 12 years, mental illness, no one's talking about that. There is no therapy. There is no any of that. She is just isolated and alone. And so we can imagine that her mental brokenness, she's probably depressed. The crowd being there all of a sudden probably brought a lot of anxiety for her. And she is definitely grieving the life that she thought she was going to live 12 years ago. That has been taken from her. 
whatever ambition she had, whatever family she wanted, whatever like dream she had for her life is gone. And she's grieving the loss of who she used to be and who she wanted to be. Physical, mental brokenness. From a spiritual standpoint, most people believe that when you had an ailment like this, it was because you did something or your ancestor did something so offensive that God has left you. And this is a physical representation of him turning his back on you. And so, from a spiritual standpoint, she assumes probably that God is further than he's ever been from her. And that she has no business being in a relationship with God because of her brokenness. And everyone else around believed it too. And everyone else around probably looked at her and said, that's the sick woman. That's the bleeding woman. She's broken. She's an outcast. And the reason I believe that is because she has no name anywhere in Scripture. She is just the sick woman. She's the bleeding woman. She is the broken woman. And after 12 years of being told that's all you are, I'm sure she started to believe it for herself, too. And some of you identify by your brokenness. You're just the girl with mental illness. You're just the guy who was going to be a really good athlete, but now your identity is gone because you've got this injury, and so you can't be the guy that you were supposed to be. Or you're the person who needs to grieve and experience the grief process. But you're not allowed to do that because if you stop doing the things that give, that give you reassurance that you're okay, if you like stop hanging out with friends, if you stop doing well in school, if you stop working for a second, you're going to fall apart. You're going to lose everything. A lot of us identify by our brokenness, just like this woman probably. And so she is experiencing all these areas of brokenness. Not just physical. She's broken all over. And so she, uh, we're going to pick up in verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, so just like everyone else, she's hearing rumors of who Jesus is, and she's thinking, something's different about him. I need to be close to him. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. In one moment, she has an encounter with Jesus. Her faith and her actions align to be in his presence, to reach out for him, and she's healed. She can feel physically that she is healed. And it says she's freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. And he turned around in the, in the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? Now, growing up, this confused me. I said, you're God. You obviously know who touched you. What is this little song and dance we're doing? Like, just grab the woman. Um, you know. Or why does it matter? You're on the way to save a little girl's life. Did we forget that part? Like, why are you stopping? Someone's life is on the line. She's already healed. Let it go. Like, why, why do this at all? 
And the disciples, they feel the same way. And you can tell because their response is a little sassy and a little snappy. It's got some tube to it. Um, they, they're like, hey, God, uh, Jesus, um, have you seen all the people around you? How can you ask who touched me? Look around. And probably the reason they're feeling anxious is because, again, they've got somewhere to be. They're trying to heal a little girl. Have you ever been at school trying to get to where you're going and you're behind the slowest person in existence as you walk? Or you're driving and no matter what lane you get in, everyone decides to go 18 miles under the speed limit and you're like, okay, I guess I'll just cr crawl or run to work because that will be faster. Like, the disciples are like, what are we doing, Jesus? Why are we stopping? And we can look at this and ask the same question. She's already healed. What's the point? But Jesus has something else that he wants to do. And so he continues looking, and finally the woman, realizing what had happened to her, she falls at the feet of Jesus. This is in verse, oh gosh. This is verse 33. The woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear. Again, fear probably out of reverence for who Jesus was, but also she does not assume that she's on good terms with God. Trembling in fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. She was already healed. This statement doesn't look like it means anything. But actually, in this one statement, Jesus is going to address the other areas of brokenness in her life. Her identity had been sick, broken woman, alone, isolated, abandoned by God. And he calls her daughter. He reminds her, you are a daughter of the Most High King, the God who created you, who loves you, and who has not forgotten you. He says, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. When you're struggling from mental brokenness, peace is what you are seeking. That inner peace. Saying that the isolation, the anxiety, the depression, the grief, the loss, it doesn't make it hurt less, but it's going to be Her identity, her mental brokenness, and then he's standing inches away from her. God, in human form, is inches away from a woman who felt further than God, further from God than she ever had in her life before. And he is looking her in the eyes as close as he can possibly be without touching her. To remind her that he is not far her. And so in one statement, Jesus addresses the rest of her brokenness, because when he heals, he doesn't just heal part way. He heals completely. See, Jesus shows us that God's healing power is possible and complete. His healing power is possible and complete. If he did it for her, then he can do it for you. If he healed her physically, mentally, spiritually, her identity, then he can do it for you.
And the crazy part is, the girl dies, the, the one that he was worried about in the beginning. Crazy, right? When you stop in an emergency situation and you don't respond correctly, people die. Um, but Jesus wasn't worried about that either, because he, at the end of the story, just gets there, and he's like, she's just sleeping. Get up, girl. She, like, runs around the room, and, like, he's not worried about it, because he can heal. But what he was more concerned about was comforting the woman who had been suffering for 12 years. And so he stops in that moment to comfort her as well as healing her. Because God is never too busy for you. Yes, he's running the universe. Yes, he's answering a million prayers. And yes, maybe your problems don't feel like they should be his priority because there's a lot of other things going on, right? Like we can rationalize why our problems aren't that crazy. Or maybe we think they're too crazy. God has never dealt with my depression before. My depression is special depression. It's extra depressed. You should see me on the weekends. I don't ever get out of bed. That's just normal depression. Um, but God's not too busy. God's not too scared of how complex your brokenness looks. He's not worried about logic. I mean, that girl was dead for crying out loud. Dead means dead. And Jesus said, no, she can wake up. He's not worried about that. It goes beyond logic, it goes beyond understanding. It is available and it's complete. And he's ready. He's there. He's close to our brokenness. He's not far from it. He's not distant. He wants to be up close and personal to it. And he's not too busy for you. And so tonight, the way that we are going to respond, um, as, I, as I was prepping for this, I, I really felt like this was what we were supposed to do. Um, and just, we're going to create a space encounter God as healer and comforter. And I truthfully do not know what that looks like, to be honest with you. I know what we're going to do, but I do not know what God is planning to do. Um, but um, what's going to happen is I'm going to pray and invite the Holy Spirit in to the room to do what only he can do. And then um, we're going to have um, Kelly and myself up front. We're going to have some life group leaders in the back of the room uh, who are available we want to specifically talk with you whether you need prayer for something broken, like healing of any, of any kind, or you're looking for comforting. Maybe something has happened recently and you just need to be comforted through prayer. So leave it at the feet of Jesus and you have tried it on your own or maybe you don't have the words to say it yourself, like we want to be available for you. Um, if you don't want to talk to someone about it, but you still want to be in prayer for it, or you're praying for someone else and you feel weird sharing their stuff, we're going to have the altars open. We're going to have some of our life group leaders as well. Um, just going through, um, as people are down here, laying hands and praying with you. You don't have to talk to them. You don't have to tell them what's going on. They just want to partner with you in prayer. Um, but that's how we're going to respond tonight. If you don't have something that you need prayer for, maybe um, you're just not ready to do that or comfortable to do that yet. That's okay. If you aren't actively receiving prayer, like the response of our worship is us entering into God's presence, expectantly waiting for him to move and to do what only he can do. And so don't just sing songs that have words on the screen. Like recognize the fact that you are in the presence of God and that God is actively moving in people's lives and you are here to be a part of that. That is insanely cool. And so however 
you're going to respond tonight. We're going to move after we pray. So everyone, if you could close your eyes, bow your heads. Jesus, it is only because you ultimately went to the cross and died and shed your blood that brokenness was ultimately addressed. You are healer and comforter. You are the ultimate expert. You work outside of our logic. You work outside of our understanding. So Holy Spirit, we invite you in this place tonight to do what only you can do. We ask that you move in the lives of our students, in our adults, that healing would be possible tonight. Things that said could never be fixed, things that we didn't even realize we were struggling with, things that we have lost hope for, God, that you would show up just like you healed the woman and many others. You would heal tonight. That tonight would not special because there was somehow more of you than normal, but it would be special because we encountered you. We met with you in what you were already doing. There is nothing that we can do to prepare for what you're going to do except to make room. And so that's what we do right now. We just make room as you begin to continue.